I want to ask you to remember the most impossible place since you've been knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord, the most impossible place that He brought you through. It wasn't just the passage of time. Time does not heal all wounds. Just throwing some time at it is like throwing money at something that doesn't necessarily help or change on the inside. This morning, we're going to be spending some time we found his faithfulness. We found his faithfulness in the sad place. We found his faithfulness in the strange places. We found his faithfulness even in the scary places. Things that have come our way that terrified us things that have come our way that left us at the place of wondering if we could ever laugh again, if we could ever smile again. But here you are. Praise is rising up in our hearts. Rejoicing in the faithfulness of God. Faithful for what? Faithful for bringing us through the sad places, strange places, the scary places. It's important that we say back to the Lord, thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You did it. You did it. And my heart is grateful. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Great is your faithfulness. Church, church, those of you online, our church scattered, Join us as we sing back through this great song of the faith. But stand in the place of where his faithfulness was proven to you. Where his faithfulness was proven to you. Julian, thank you. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy
Amen. 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 Another English word for faithfulness that could be inserted into and be a part of the meaning of the of the Hebrew word in Lamentations 3. Great is thy faithfulness, your mercies are new every morning. The English word loyalty could be inserted in the place of faithfulness. Great is your loyalty to me, O Lord. When we don't deserve it, we're surprised when it is bestowed and it is maintained, but that's who he is, the lover of your soul. It's the father you have. Great is his loyalty to his children. Been a strong sense in my heart that we needed to look a little bit deeper this morning into that matter of the faithfulness of the Lord. And I want to encourage you that as we go through this, <clears throat> I'm used to having folks talk back to me respectfully. You know, it's nice when it's a little respectful, but but uh, sometimes it can be a little lonely up here, um, looking into into hungry faces and hearts. If, if you find yourself spoken to, if you find yourself in one of these three categories that we're going to talk about, or his, where his faithfulness has been demonstrated, you have found his faithfulness in one or all of these spots, I, I, just, I just wish you'd just raise your hand up, not necessarily for me to see, but as a recognition unto the Lord, Lord, that's me. You, you did that for me. And I'm acknowledging it, and I'm thanking you for it. And the reason we need to look back is so we can stand steady in the present, and we can look with confidence toward the future. What he's done in the past, he's still able to do. He hadn't retired. He hadn't quit. He hadn't gone on to somebody else that he cares about more. He still cares about you. And what he did before, he is able to do today and able to do again. And that, that principle that Jillian helped us with, he inhabits the praises of his people. If you need to sense his presence at this moment in your life, it, it's, one, it's important that we let our burdens be known unto the Lord, but it's also important that we thank him for what we know he did. He helped us through, brought us through, gave us eyes to see when we couldn't see in the past, and that we are rehearsing all over again his goodness then because we know we're going to need his goodness again as we face the future. We find his faithfulness in sad places in sad places. Have you ever known a time in your life when you wondered if you would ever smile again? When you wondered if you could ever laugh from a glad heart, happy heart? You ever wondered if it could ever be where you could be happy again? Because the weight of whatever it was that you were walking through at that point in time crushed you. Crushed you. Let me show you a verse, passage, 2 Corinthians, New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
Listen to what Paul says. These are remarkable words of instruction, encouragement, faith. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us, that's the present tense, who comforts us, is comforting us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. How many times he said the word comfort or some form of it? Comfort, comfort. Where is that coming from? That is coming from the God of all comfort. For just as this verse 5, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. There's a difference between pity and comfort. They can be similar, but pity is an emotion that empathizes with someone who's going through something, but it does not necessarily contain the ability to alter anything within the heart of the person who's going through a rough spot. The word comfort, however, when it talks about God comforting, it carries with it the idea of his pity to sympathize, but it also carries with it the power of the Holy Spirit to render aid to that specific spot in your heart or in my heart that has been broken, that has been crushed. When he uses the word affliction, he comforts us in all our affliction. The word affliction there, the original meaning of it was, comes from a word that means to be crushed, crushed. He comforts us in all the places where we have been crushed. Have you been through something that was done to you, not done by you, not, not caused by something that you did, and it's just the harvest coming back in? That can happen to all of us. But in this case, we're talking about where you have been crushed, where you have been broken, where you have been weighted down with a load of pressure emotionally as a result of something that has been done to you. He comforts us in all our affliction. What is that one-sentence prayer we've been We've been playing like a broken record the last several months. Lord, send your spirit in power to my heart. Lord, send your spirit in power. The power to do what? The power, to, and that word, your comfort, to come alongside for the purpose of rendering aid to where the need. The, the, the spirit is the paraclesis, the, the one called alongside. It's the same word here. The, the, the comforter, the helper, the God of all comfort. The, that's why we will see in some of our translations that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the comforter, the helper, 
what Paul is saying here, that in the places that we have been through, where we have been crushed, have felt the weight, the pressure upon us, in that very place, the God of all comfort, all kinds of comfort, knowing every place comfort can be needed, all types of comfort, the God who's the expert and the supplier of all different kinds of comfort. He is coming to us. He's comforting us in all the places where we're afflicted, where we are crushed, so that when other people come around us, suffering, hurting, we've got something to give them. We're able to speak to them of the same type of comfort that we've gotten. Folks, listen, when the Lord comforts you, you become a steward of the comfort that he's deposited in your heart. It's not just to back up, back away from hurting people and to, and, and to go on with our lives, but to realize if the Lord has invested a measure of Holy Spirit comfort in me, he will take me into the lives of other folks who need that same thing. So what I'm to pray is, Lord, will you do in them what you've done in me and are doing in me? Comfort, comfort, comfort. Not just to feel sorry. The world can feel sorry for you. But the world can't really comfort us at the place of being crushed that we need it. To the standpoint that he has the ability to, in time, lift the weight of the pressure and the brokenness of the crushing. He will do that. Somebody in this house needs to just raise your hand and just say, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a, wasn't a take a tile at all, and I was better the next day. It was something over a period of time that the Lord turned my sorrow into joy. That it doesn't that our memories are completely deleted. But when he comforts, he has the power to take the pain and the poison out of the memories. And then to bring us to the place of realizing Romans 8.28 was written there for us. Our God is able to cause all things to work together for good, for good, to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Even the sad places, even the sad places, finding him faithful in the sad places. I want you to leave, if you would, from 2 Corinthians and go all the way back over to the Old Testament and the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. I want to reference this morning three major figures in the Old Testament in particular, who by what they went through, their examples, you and I are encouraged today, but here's what I want you to get, family of God, ones who have Jesus alive in you, and you're, you're praying, Lord, send your spirit and power to my heart, the same things that the Lord was able to do for Daniel and Joseph and David. Proving his faithfulness to them, he is able, and even more so, to do in our lives today. They lived before the Spirit was poured out. 
They lived before Calvary. They lived before Jesus walked the face of the earth. These are examples of what the Lord can do, not as an exception tied to just that point in history, but they're examples of what by the power of the Spirit of Jesus alive in you, freshly moving in your heart, is able to do even more than what he did for Daniel and Joseph and David. In Daniel chapter 1, there is a sort of a kind of a bland historical account. Uh, the emotion is left out of it, but it was a description of how the young man Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ended up in Babylon. Here's how they ended up in Babylon. God lifted his protection off of the nation of Israel. The Lord had had enough with the wickedness of his people. that They were called to worship the one true and living God, Jehovah God, and in the temple in Jerusalem, they were setting up idols to other gods, foreign gods, demonic gods. The morality was a joke. The ability of the prophets, many of them, and the priests, to accurately represent the heart of God to the people was just a thing of the past. There was was child sacrifice. They were offering their children to appease a demon god called Molech in Israel. The the very things that, that the Lord had told Joshua and Caleb to cleanse from the land and to bring in the true worship those very things were being brought back in now and were polluting the spiritual character of the nation. It had been going on for decades, even for centuries. More and more and more and more of their turning away from the one true living God. And finally, the Lord will say, and you can, you can look at this in the book of Jeremiah and uh, his, his statement in chapter 32 These words, then this is verse 26, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, who was a prophet, a true prophet during that time, during Daniel's time. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Now, we take that phrase to mean something very positive, and it is true. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord to break in and break through and bring about, but the context here is destruction is judgment. Therefore, thus says the Lord, verse 28, Behold, I am about to give this city, Jerusalem, into the hand of the Chaldeans, and into the hand, I'm about to give the city into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Chaldeans who are fighting against this city shall enter and set this city on fire and burn it with the houses where people have offered incense to Baal on their roofs, and poured out libation to other gods, look at this, to provoke me to anger, to provoke. There are some things that can make the Lord mad. And there's one place you don't ever want to be, is in the place where the infinite sovereign God would focus his anger. It takes him a while to get there. 
He will send warnings. He will send statements of how to correct. But when those things are ignored, the law of the harvest kicks in. God is not mocked. Whatever a man, whatever a nation sows, that and that only it will reap. The only thing that can stop that law of the harvest coming in to the measure that it is capable of is repentance on the part of the guilty ones. Lord, we were wrong in your sight. We've turned away from you. We, we've confessed that is sin and we return to you. But Israel as a whole never did it. And as a result, the anger of the Lord rested on Israel. He lifted his protection off of the nation. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the land. They're, they're young men. They, they weren't party to this wholesale turning away from the Lord. And we understand that by how they acted once they were taken to Babylon. Their hearts were toward the Lord. But these were four young men who were caught up in the consequences of the sins of others. That they would have been innocent. They would not have been guilty of these crimes necessarily. But the ones in authority over them, the ones surrounding them, the older ones in positions of leadership and their choices, when the discipline of the Lord came, the innocent ones were affected by the consequences of the harvest coming back in. Some of you listening this morning have been the victim of wrongs done against you. There have been things that have brought brought great sadness to your heart, not because you were perpetrating some evil scheme and plan against the Lord, but because some evil, bad, hard scheme was perpetrated even against you. That's the kind of sadness that we're talking about. That the Lord brings about this, he allows Jerusalem to be, to be taken. That they, Nebuchadnezzar even, even is able to, to breach the temple itself. And, and the children of Israel had been taught, had been, had been led to believe that we, we, are, we are unconquerable as the Jews because we have in our Holy of holies, inside the temple, we've got the Ark of the Covenant, and the presence of God on the earth dwells between the wings of the cherubim, that glow, the high priest on the day of a pendant, didn't need to go into that, that darkened room because the light of the glory of the Lord lit up the place on the day of atonement. But there came a point in time when instead of the Lord defending his people, he shifted over to the side of the enemies of his people. He, he says here, I'm letting Nebuchadnezzar take the city, 
And the reason is because the people inhabiting the city have caused me to anger. He did. He sent, and you can read down through that. He sent prophets. He said, gave them time to repent. Was was warning that, but the choice was no, our way, no other way. And so the consequences came back. The 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 the, the wheel of the Lord's justice. The old preacher said, the wheel of the Lord's justice grinds slowly but it grinds exceedingly fine when the time comes. Okay, enough about that. The result was that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, the head of the crew, were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, the capital city from which Nebuchadnezzar reigned. That you, let, let's, let's just read that briefly. This is chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, just as the Lord had told Jeremiah. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Athanaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence and in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. You see, that's just kind of a bland historical statement. It does not take into account the emotion. Daniel and his three friends would never see home again. We don't know whether Daniel's mother and father, brothers and sisters, were all slaughtered in the conquest of Jerusalem or not. But it was a horribly bloody, cruel conflict in which many lives were lost and the city was left in ruins. The sorrow, the great sadness, not ever to see parents again, more than likely. The grieving over the loss of home, the loss of their place, the loss of familiarity. Great sorrow, great sadness, great sadness, grieving. The, the, the word is grieving. There was great grieving over what had been lost. Do I have anybody listening to me this morning? who has been through a season, maybe you're in the season right now, of grieving deeply. It, it, it marks your world, or it did mark your world. That's why you would at one point in time, I don't know that I can ever smile again. I don't know that I'll ever laugh again. I don't know that I'll ever enjoy living a day because the crushing weight of the sorrow of grieving a loss 
is so strong. Finding him faithful in the sad place. Finding him faithful in the sad place. Joseph, the youngest of all of those brothers, they, out of jealousy, connived a plan. You remember the story? And they sold him. They sold their own flesh and blood. And Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave. Joseph did not have any idea that he would ever see his father or mother again. Probably wasn't too worried about not ever seeing those brothers again. But his home, his place, his people, finding him faithful in the sad place, finding him faithful in the sad place. We we know that Daniel found the Lord faithful in his sad place because when he arrived in Babylon, some way or another, there was the ability to think forward. There was the ability to, to consider what is my honoring the Lord going to look like in this new place, which would be a diet that was not the king's diet and asking for permission to to only eat the the vegetables and the things that were healthy to the Jewish people at that time. That that work in his heart. Folks, listen, when, when you've been devastated to the point of not being able to think clearly, one of the things you can give some time to is, is it even worth it to follow God? Is it even worth it? Look what's happened to me. But even in that place, and the same thing with Joseph, the same thing with David. David, after he was thrown out and began to be hunted like an animal because of the jealousy within Saul, left, had to leave his his wife in his younger years, the wife Micah, and flee. Lived in caves and holes in the ground and and just, just tried to make a way to eat and find something to drink and sleep. But somewhere in that, David would write, we're not sure when he wrote it, but somewhere in this season is generally believed, he wrote Psalm 23. Not the Lord was my shepherd, or the Lord's going to be again when things calm down. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything because he is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green grass. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores, He brings back my soul in the sad place. In the sad place. I'm telling you, there are some folks hearing me today that need to, and I believe you would honor the Lord for you just to say all over to Him again, just between you and Him, Lord, thank you that I didn't die in the sad place. The crushing weight of all that was coming against me. If I had been left to my own strength, I wouldn't have made it. But I'm loving you today. I'm thanking you today because somehow, some way, you comforted my soul. You comforted me. 
People can give you pity, but only the power of the Spirit, and sometimes that will work through people. But if it's real comfort, the ability to come alongside and render aid to exactly the spot where you need it, that can only be done by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. So we pray again, Lord, send your Spirit in power to my heart. To do what? Some days we're going to need to be comforted. Do I have a witness? When nobody else, nothing else seems to be supportive or being what we would wish that it would be. We can feel as if we're an orphan when we're really not. And the Lord, by His Spirit, comes to comfort. Some of you are geared to just suck it up. You're geared to just try to act bulletproof. You're geared to just say, well, this is on me to do. And I'm saying to you, no, it's not. That, that, that's why Jesus would say again and again, I'm leaving so that my spirit, the comforter, can come. The helper will come. Whenever it drops 18 inches and we quit, we quit trying to help ourselves in places where only the helper can help, the quicker we'll move on down the road with the rest of our lives. But you keep dragging that wagon of grieving and sorrow, and, and legitimately, there are reasons to grieve and have sorrow and have sad days. But the Lord, by His Spirit, coming to that spot in your heart, can do a work to render the aid, the comfort, so that Somehow or another, the poison begins to be depleted from the memory. Poison, pain. You can remember, but it doesn't hurt like it used to hurt. You, you, you can remember, but it doesn't cripple like it used to cripple. That's the power of the Spirit of Jesus coming to comfort you. You say, well, I need somebody to pray for me. Why, why don't, has that worked for you? I mean, in some cases, yeah, pray for me. But if I'm trying to go to this one and that one to get them to, all they can give me is pity. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can give comfort. Now, he can use Christian brothers and sisters to convey that. But they're not going to be able to spend every night with you. They're not going to be able to, to all day with you. The God, the God, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will have some comfort, the residue of the Spirit, to comfort others when they need it as well. So, just saying to you, it's sort of an argument by silence, from silence on this, but, but I, I, it just seems, it stands to reason that if, that if Daniel... Had, had gotten into Nebuchadnezzar's training group with a broken, shattered heart, still, still trying to live through what had happened before. Th that was true. But there was a greater power that came to be working within him, and it would be the working of the comforting of the Spirit in the sad place. Secondly, we find 
we find his faithfulness. We find him faithful <laughs> in the strange place. In the strange place. Back to Daniel. Back to Joseph. Back to David. They were carried away, run out, sent to another place, not by some fault of their own. It happened to them. And they ended up in a place that was anything but familiar. It was as if their world had turned upside down. David having to leave. His wife, mother and father, familiar surroundings, just trying to survive. Joseph, going to a land like Daniel, where he didn't speak the language. He couldn't read the street signs. He couldn't listen to 10 o'clock news. Completely foreign. But oh, listen, if that hadn't happened to those guys, we'd have never read their names in the book. So don't let this into you because something has happened to me and, 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 the, and it's a sad place, but, but I've ended up in a strange place. That must mean that God can't ever use me. That must mean that, that my best days are in the past. That must mean that, 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 it, that it won't be good for me. If, 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 if we really believe that that was true, then there's so many characters in your Bible who wouldn't, whose names wouldn't appear on them. There'd be blank spots in those bodies. Joseph ended up in Egypt because of what was done to him. But he would end up being second to Pharaoh in command throughout the whole land. Daniel, the same setting, the same situation. He would, he would go through this training program. Let's, let's go back to Daniel for just a second and pick, pick this up. This is Daniel chapter 1 again. And they're in this training group, and at the end of the, the, the time, the king was going to interview these guys, these young men, to see who he would select to be in his personal service. But look at verse 9. Now, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of Billy Graham, in the sight of Mother Teresa. Look at this. Look at this. God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Pagan, pagan, pagan to his toenail. But God, in this strange place, still had the power to grant Daniel favor through a pagan ruler. Now, here's what some of you are going to have to are going, could, could get and stand up in the pew and say. Some way or another, I ended up in a strange place. But, Pastor, I'm telling you, somehow, some way in that strange place, strange place, I have been blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed again. Somehow, some way, when I didn't come from there, when I wasn't familiar with that group, when it was a culture strange to me, and in many ways I'm opposed to it, they still somehow would favor me. I would be invited to things. I would be given doors of opportunity open before me. 
in that strange place, I found the Lord. I found his faithfulness through the favor that he showed on my life. You think, well, as Daniel was just smart. He wasn't that smart. Daniel was just good looking. He wasn't that good looking. It was the favor of God, the favor of God, the favor of God. The, I, this, is just, this just makes me want to just jump up and down. Just, you know, I, because we get to thinking, oh, it's just the enemy. It's just the devil. He's in charge and all that. Listen, when God gets ready to favor somebody, it doesn't matter how many demons and the devil himself opposing it. Here's the, here's the, here's the statement that it, he, he put his favor for Daniel in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar's leading official. Why did that man start showing favor to Daniel and be willing to reduce the dietary rules and so forth? Give him, give him 10 days to try it out. And then he goes back and he sees that they're better looking, they're sharper and all that than the rest of them. Why? When it was at the risk of his own life, he says, if I mess this up, the king's going to come after me because you don't look right. Sound right. It was the sovereign God who was on the side of little Daniel. And he showed his mighty right arm by putting favor in the hearts of unbelieving, secular, governmental, add all the adjectives you want to. They were a mess and they were a million miles from the heart of God, but God still used them to crown his child with favor. Just telling you, I hear this, oh, pastor, I just work in a bad place. I just, I'm just, it's all this, godless that's going on around me and all this kind of stuff happening. I, you know, I just wish I could go work in the church, <laughs> which I say, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. You need, you need to be right where you are, even if you have ended up there because somebody else has come against you. God is still bigger than the somebody else's that have come against us. If Paul would say, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. What part of all things do we not understand? <laughs> So we end up in a place, and it's a strange place. It's a strange place to you spiritually. It's a strange place to you emotionally. It's a strange place to you even linguistically or culturally. But if the Lord has landed you there, here's what you can expect. If you will honor him, he will honor you. If you will honor him in the strange place, he will honor you. And he has the ability to crown your life with favor, even in a strange place. Some of you, some of you were just about to get up on that pew. You were. You were just about to wave both hands, maybe kick one foot as a celebration. It's true, Pastor. That happened to me. I, I, there were things I didn't deserve. I don't even know why they knew my name or how they would trust me. But they did. But they did. Finding him faithful in a strange place. Amen. So, Lord, and here, here's, here's the exercise. Here, here's the participatory conduct this morning. Thank him. Thank him. Don't just treat it like a file folder that's up on a shelf somewhere in a file cabinet. 
as we look back through this and we see it, and you're able to remember, and his, the Spirit will say, that we're instructed that the Spirit will remind us of the things that the Lord has said to us. And we remember, we are reminded of those things, and our hearts, our heart great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. As you do that, as praise saturates the molecular structure of your spirit, man, strength begins to rise. Hope begins to take back over. A future and a direction and a believing that God's not finished with you and what he starts, he is going to finish, will rise up. Amen. I got to keep going here now. You think about it. Run that, run that same trot line with 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 Joseph. You know, I mean, he he gets sold as a slave. He ends up in Potiphar's house, the man who bought him, and Potiphar ends up turning the whole household over to him. Why? Favor of God. Favor of God. Favor of God. Potiphar's wife. Blames Joseph for something he didn't do. He's falsely accused. <laughs> he ends up in the jailhouse. What did the jailer end up doing? The jailer ends up turning the whole prison over to Joseph. What did finally Pharaoh <laughs> end up doing? He ends up turning the kingdom second only to Pharaoh himself over to this Little guy, this runt of all the brothers, sold into slavery because he was hated by his brothers, but favored by the God who knew him and loved him and chose him. It didn't matter what the brothers did. It didn't matter what he didn't have in natural resources. God, 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 God had the ability and still has the ability to favor, to put his favor, set his favor favor upon those he's going to use to accomplish his purpose. You understand now that we, if that hadn't happened, if that, if that strange place and the favor of God on Joseph and David and Daniel, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't even know their names. We wouldn't even know their names more than likely, but we know their names because they found him faithful in the sad place. They found him faithful to comfort them, they found him faithful in the strange place. And then last, they found him faithful in the scary place. The scary place. Scary. Have you ever faced something that you literally didn't know whether you would survive it or not? Physical danger is one aspect of that question and the answer. Financial danger, needing children to feed, a family to support, and something is threatened or something comes, and you're not sure how you're going to make it out. Here's what I'm going to just have to summarize this. 
Daniel chapter 6 is the account of Daniel ending up in the lion's den. It started out by a group of Daniel's contemporaries, at least in the Babylonian sense, jealous of him, wanting him removed from the position of authority because they had the sense, here comes another king now, and this king is going to put Daniel head over all of the country. They were threatened by that, so they came up with a plan for 30 days. Nobody is to pray unless they pray to you, king, knowing that Daniel was not going to not pray, not get up and face Jerusalem and pray, which he did. The, the penalty would be whoever is caught violating that law of the Medes and Persians, which could not be reversed, would be thrown into the lion's den. Now that's, that was, was all a part of the deal. If somebody prays to anybody but you, king, we catch them, they get thrown in the lion's den. Well, it, it was just a done deal as far as they were concerned. Just a done deal as far as they were concerned. Just a done deal as far as they were concerned. Do I have a witness now? Plotted, schemed, powerful, well-positioned, well-healed. Except they just left one major final determinant out. The heart of God for Daniel. So, so they throw him in the, in the lion's den. So this is... Look down at verse 19, Daniel 6, verse 19. When the king arose with the dawn at the break of day, went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve that's a secular guy thinking about this man named Daniel, whom you constantly serve. Has he been able to deliver you from the lion? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. Watch this sentence. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, <laughs> whatever, was found on him because he had trusted in his God. <clears throat> he found the Lord faithful in this terrifying place. You see, folks, it's not just the Spirit who can come in power. But when your God, your Father, your Lord determines it's time to rescue you, every atom bows its knee to him. Everything is held together because it's held together by the counsel of his word. So he could just say, prison bars, disintegrate. And he could have come out. But he's got another line of weaponry 
<laughs> and it's angels. Angels. He sent his angel to shut the mouth of these lions. The thing that so just makes you want to shout and, and, and praiseful laughter is that those lions, it's not just that those lions didn't kill Daniel. They couldn't kill Daniel. It was all set up. He's done. But the Lord says, no, you're not going down. You're just going through in these places that can be dangerous and can be life-threatening and all of the above. I don't know how many times Daniel might have walked by that lion's den, just thrown him a hunk of meat, kept walking. Walk over and look down that hole, see that great big one. I love the picture of Daniel just asleep on you know, that. You know, somebody made that up, but it's a good, it's a good picture. Daniel just asleep on that old male lion. Just look down there and say, "Hey, buddy, hey." What, what the enemy meant for destruction, God meant for a testimony of his power and his greatness and his mercy on our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank. If you are strong in remembering what the Lord has done, you will be strong in facing the future for what he hasn't done yet. Same God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Now, I got I to gotta read you the words to this song. I'm not going to sing it, but we're going to have a little help with it. I can't hardly go over these words without it just melting my heart. Listen to this. We sing this. It's a new one we're learning I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the mercy, in the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I want you to stand and let's, let's let Jillian lead us through this this morning. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. 
Josh, we'll, we'll just continue to play if you would. And, but I, I, I feel like there needs to be a response to this. And I want to ask you, if it's in your heart to do, again, this is not some litmus test of spirituality, but if it's in your heart to do, I want you to just consider stepping out into these aisles and coming down here and finding a place to kneel and just thank him. One more time. Just thank you. One more time. The sad places, the strange places, the scary places, that He has shown you His faith. Do as you will live. Prayer partners, come this way, streaming family. Bless you for being a part. Send us. A little paragraph, email, pastorwalker at alamocity.org. If we can pray with you about something that you're walking through, working through, or an answer that we can rejoice with. But right where you are, thank him. Thank him. What a sad spot. Strange places where he's put his favor. Scary places. That by his power he delivered you. He stopped the lion. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.